This is the voice guy from your favorite podcast, Two Douchebags and a Microphone. People often ask us how they can find us when doing a remote broadcast. One, smell. Go to the city market and start sniffing. Our aroma has been described as a mixture of flea powder for goats, Tabasco sauce, and old sock with dark fuzzy urine. Two, look for the spot absent of patrons. Three, the most telling sign is a crowd of patrons vomiting uncontrollably. Four, just call us at 816-512-7717. Invisible ass paddlings, new douche flavors, and horrible pranks? What the fuck is wrong with these guys? Hello, this is Satan. You might know me from my pet name, Inflation. I'm here to tell you that there's no better way to relax than listen to two douchebags in microphone by a nice warm fire at night. I sit there and I reflect on all the souls I burned that day. Enjoy. Jeffrey Epstein, right? That uh, that pervert that is dead now, or supposedly, right? Yes. Okay. The Justice Department's uh, um, Office of the Inspector General on Tuesday issued a scathing rebuke of the Bureau of Prisons detailing the multiple failures that led to the death of the high-profile financer, Jeffrey Epstein, following his arrest in 2019, but found no evidence to contradict the absence of criminality in his death. So, they're saying, well, I'll go on with this, but basically what they're saying is, is they did everything wrong, but they weren't in on the kill. According to the report, the failures that allowed Epstein time to die by suicide in his cell included multiple prison employees failing to conduct rounds and cell searches to check on Epstein. His access to extra bed linens, which he used to hang himself, and failure to assign Epstein a fellow inmate after he was placed on suicide watch. The OIG, however, did not find evidence that contradicted the Federal Bureau of Investigation determining uh, determination regarding of the absence of criminality in connection with how Epstein died, according to the report. So basically, you know, like I said before, they're saying that neglect killed him, but no one was in on some big cover-up, which I find not very believable to me. Right. So, um, all prison staff members who were interviewed by the OIG said they did not know of any information suggesting that Epstein's cause of death was something other than suicide. Oh, so they just went and asked uh, prisoners. Okay. (laughs) Epstein was arrested in July 2019 on federal charges of sex trafficking minors. Then in August, the only 35 days after his arrest, Epstein died by suicide by hanging 
in his jail cell at New York City's Metropolitan Correctional Center, where he was being held, according to New York City's medical examiner. The politically and socially well-connected financer's death immediately spurned conspiracy theories and significant questioning and intrigue over the circumstances. Yeah, no shit, really? The report indicated the Bureau of Prisons' failings were troubling not only because they did not safeguard Epstein, but also because they led to numerous questions about the circumstances surrounding Epstein's death and denied Epstein's victims justice. Two guards on duty the night of Epstein's death later admitted to falsifying records at the time. According to the initial indictment against two guards, on the night of Epstein's suicide, both individuals repeatedly failed to complete the required prisoner's check during their watch. So, if I was a conspiracy theorist, which I am sometimes, I would say that they were paid off. You guys go over here and you play tiddlywinks, from 10 to 11, right? Yes. Nobody come over here and check on the guy, right? Yes. Oh, someone leave this key on the ground. Okay. See what I'm saying? Too easy. Too many people did not want this guy to yell. Too many people did not he, want this guy to cry or talk. He is somebody high profile on suicide watch. Why wasn't he being watched? That's what I want to know, and especially... That right there uh, raises questions by itself. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's... To me, it's ridiculous that... Um, that it's not being questioned... Like, like, they're acting like it's absurd to question this. Which tells right. me the first right. reason of why I don't believe them. Anytime everyone's like, I don't even get why you'd even question this, means that you should be questioning it and that they're full of shit and they're trying to hide something. Right. Yeah. So, um, I, I call bullshit on all that. What about you, Rob? Yeah, I do too. I mean, there, there's more to it. Everybody knows it. Yep. Yeah. Nobody, nobody can prove it, though. Oh, no one's going to... Let me put it like this. It's going to be kind of like John F. Kennedy... Um, John F. Kennedy's murder. Yeah. Where, like, uh, just a couple of years ago, I think last year, they actually released everything. And, you know, it said that the uh, CIA was in on it, right? Well, if anything ever comes to that, all the people that could be prosecuted over it will be dead. And therefore, they can let the information out, kind of like Kennedy's murder. So his assassination involved multiple different organizations like they thought. And it was probably pretty much for the reasons they thought. Then they finally just admitted it because there's nobody left. Uh, yeah, so there you go. Um, I've got something a little bit different. You know there's such things as ghost lakes. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah, I've, I've heard of that. Okay. That. Well, to everyone that doesn't know, a ghost lake is a lake that used to be somewhere. And then because of uh, um, climate changes, it changed and it isn't a lake anymore. But from satellite imagery, you could still see where the natural lake was. So... Well, you know, California 
had all that rain in their uh, their so-called winter, what they call winter. And they had like massive amounts of rain, which they haven't gotten in years and years and years. So, I mean, like, um, like record, like records of forever records just, you know, of rain. So, uh, anyhow, this, uh, this ghost lake reappeared because of that. New satellite images released from NASA this week showcase the dramatic reappearance of California's Lake Tulare. After water swallowed swaths of land across the state's agricultural center that uh, had long been dry, taken between the start of February and the end of April and colored artificially to help distinguish the water from vegetation and bare ground, the images highlight the scale of the transformation across the region still grappling with the aftermath of this winter's heavy rains and snow. This isn't the first time the Ghost Lake has caused widespread flooding, but the onslaught of weather whiplash wreaked havoc on residents, agriculture workers, and farms, and it's not and it's far from finished. Tucked against the Sierra, the Sierra Nevadas, white-capped peaks, the region will have to reckon with surges of snowmelt filling its waterways as the weather warms. On on Thursday, the snowpack in the southern Sierra was 436% of normal. So it's 436 times more than normal for this time of year, according to California's Department of Water Resources. This year's massive snowpack is posing continued flood risks in the San Joaquin Valley, and said the DWR director, Carla Nemeth. In a written statement noting the bittersweet outcome of very wet winter weather after years of drought. The snowpack will lead to sustained high flows across the San Joaquin and to Tulare basins over several months, Nemeth said. Widespread damage has already been done. The rapidly rising waters forced evacuations across the region in early spring. As communities rushed to higher ground in Tulare County, one of the world's largest milk producing regions, thousands of cows were lost to the floods, while roughly 75,000 had to be trailered to safety. Growers were washed out of key crops, and workers lost out on jobs on waterlogged valleys. So, that's what a ghost lake does when it goes awry. So, wow. Yeah, interesting stuff, huh? Yeah. Lost everything. Yeah. Um, I got a question, just personal, uh, from me to you. I'm just wondering, did um, did you guys get any rain yesterday or not? Uh, no, but we got a little bit today. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, yeah. It, it rained a little bit this afternoon, and it was just raining right before we started. Oh, is it raining good, or is it like downpours? Oh, uh, it was. It was, a, it was a good little rain, but not nearly it, a it, much. It's not enough to change anything. Enough to get the ground wet. About it. Oh, okay. Yeah, we need long, sustained rains. Yeah, we do. We do. Everybody does at this point. Yep. Well, it doesn't look like anything big's coming either one of our ways, so... No. Not the future. Although temperatures are supposed to cool off a little bit. Um, they did here today. We're down in the mid-80s today after, like, uh, hundreds or close to. Yeah, uh, we, we were... We were, our heat index was well in the hundreds, like 105, no. 106. 
So that uh, front hasn't crossed you guys yet? No, no, we're we're down to the 80s now. Oh, okay. Supposed to be in the 80s for the next week, so. Okay. Um, I've got this little tidbit that uh, that I ran into about Gen Zers. You know, Gen Zers are the ones that make fun of us and and the baby yep. boomers and all that, and they have stupid little sayings and stuff. Um, this is from Fortune magazine. Gen Zers are still in the early stages of their careers and personal finance journeys, but their financial habits are already proven to be radically different from those of their predecessors. With heightened levels of anxiety about the future, grounded in a very real socioeconomic and uh, environmental issues, Gen Zers are reconfiguring their approach to money. For those beacons of anti-capitalism and pivotal figures in the great resignation, financial success of the age of the late stage capitalism looks very different from how other generations may have defined it. Gen Zers have encountered their own set of unique challenges entering the workforce at a time of global societal uncertainty from graduating during a global pandemic to current fears around inflation, wage stagnation, growth inequality, and an impending recession, many feel that the cards are stacked against them. A recent study by Fidelity Investments found that 45% of people ages 18 to 35 don't see a point in saving until things return to normal. In that same age group, 55% said they put retirement planning on hold during the pandemic. Which, I, you know what, I actually, I get that. I understand, I was in the same boat, I'm like, you know, what the fuck am I saving for if anything could just fly, just wipe you out just like that? After a quarter of Gen Z respondents in a McKinsey study said they do not expect to retire, only 41% expect to own a home one day. This may be because they're young and such financial goals seem too far away to properly comprehend, but national statistics support the fact that traditional milestones like home ownership and retirement are increasingly unattainable. The typical first-time buyer was 36 years old in 2022, rising from 33 in 2021 in an all-time high, coupled with rising student debt. It makes the American dream ever less achievable for young people. Look, I get that. I get their woes. Look, I make fun of, I make fun of them and everything, and they make fun of us, but they got a real shit show that they're dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. When it comes to financial wellness, Gen Zers place less emphasis on the financial than on the wellness. Unlike previous generations, they're unwilling to stick it out at a toxic job to uh, forego travel and experiences in favor of padding their savings, which is you and I. You know, yeah. I, I, I worked in a lot of toxic environments with metal and, and stuff like that. I, you know, done a lot of glass yeah. stuff. I've done a lot of oxidizing of brass. Um, I've done I've done a lot of different lacquer coats and powder coats and stuff, and uh, and paint lock. It's probably not good for you to breathe, right? Yeah, yeah I, I know. I've, I've been in that boat too. Not to mention welding, which is horrible on your lungs. Oh yeah, I've worked in big shops. Yeah, with welders. Yeah. yeah, same here. So, um, yeah, that's the thing right there. Is is we forewent safety concerns and and health concerns for you know the padding your savings if you will not not exactly like we have that many in savings but yeah 
the, tra- the traditional markers of financial success from owning a home to snagging that corner office at work are becoming not only less attainable but, attainable, but also less valuable for Gen Zers. Mental well-being, personal growth, and fulfillment are being reprioritized ahead of financial gain. 73% of Gen D- Z would rather have a better quality of life than extra money in the bank. And 60% are only interested in finances as a way to support their other interests in life. Gen Zers are increasingly looking for ways to prioritize quality of life over financial achievement at all costs. And the TikTok trend of soft life and its financial counterpart, soft savings, is a stark departure from the millennial predecessors' financial habits, which were rooted in toxic hustle cultures and the girl boss era. And if you hear a dog um, out in the other room, that is because there is a raccoon that comes up to our porch every night and gets whatever it can scavenge. And that dog is going nuts on it because that's what the dog does. It's like, hey, there's a raccoon out there. I'm going to go after it, but he can't get to it, so he's going to bitch at it. So if you hear that, that's what's going on. If you don't hear it, then it's not going on. I was just joking. I was ignoring it. Yep, okay. Some young people have adopted a sort of financial nihilism, uh, whatever the fuck that means, as a response to deteriorating economic conditions. Um, um, capitalism is uh, is kind of really kind of on the outs. They don't, they don't view capitalism very favorably. So I thought that was interesting. But, I mean, I can honestly say if I was in their shoes, I would probably feel the same way. You, you you always heard the old joke, you know, people come up and go, everything's ruined. Kind of is. Kind of is. So, Gen Zers, sorry. Here, here's your bag of shit. Go have fun. Enjoy. You know, uh, you hear the uh, um, uh, Pink Floyd song? Come on in, boy. Sit down. Have a cigar. You're going to go far. Yeah. Yeah. Got to remind you that, doesn't it? Hey, Gen Z, come on here. Take a seat. Here, have a cigar, man. You are going to do well. Oh, my God. There's so much opportunity out there. Yeah. Oh, oh man. You're just going to smash the lid off of everything. You go get him, Tiger. Okay. <laughs> All right. And now we turn our attention to Rob Rad. Rob Rad has some stuff that he wants to uh, go over with us. So um, I offered the floor. To Rob Rad. Go forth. Axel Rose, the lead singer of Guns N' Roses, has had a vocal range of over five octaves. He does? He also has, he also has a lower baritone than Barry White and can reach notes higher than Tina Turner or Beyonce. That, that must have been back in the day. It I had to have been. Yeah. It had to have been. I don't know when they come up with this, but yeah, he definitely can't do that these days. No. Jeez. Wow. No, he can't yeah, do it these know. days, but he didn't really take care of himself that well either, so. No, he didn't. Well, uh, like I mentioned before, you know, it He's had a vocal range, and he's been losing his voice, and that, that, that's why. Because having to hit all them notes all them years, 
every night, it's going to take a toll on the voice. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. And then, and then I ran across a story about Paul Rogers. Go ahead. A uh, long-time Bad Company singer. He was with Cream. He was with uh, uh, The Firm. Um, let's see what else. Yeah, he was with a lot of different ones. But yes, oh, he played. Yeah, he, he played with Cream. He played with Queen also. Yes, he did. Yeah. Anyhow, go ahead. He did. Uh, he set to release his first new solo album since the 2000s. Really? See, Three I, orders for Midnight Rose are already underway. The eight-song eight song LP is due on September 22nd. I would check that out. out. You can check out the complete track listing and sample the lead single, Living It Up. I will have to check that out. Is the single out yet or not? Uh, I'll yeah, it, it shows I can hit it down below and listen to it. Okay, don't don't do it. We can't do it. Because, it on YouTube. Okay, we can't do it because of copyright, so I'll listen to it afterwards. Yeah, I've always right, liked Paul right. Rogers. I haven't been a fanatical fan like so many uh, people were um, um, that I thought were so talented, like Freddie Mercury idolized Paul Rogers. Right. Um, there's other ones too. Um, uh, there's so many people that just like just think he's the greatest thing ever. Well, I liked him, but didn't love him. I, I thought he was okay, but I just didn't care for his style of singing, I guess. I mean, it's good, but it's, I don't know. Oh, yeah, but that's cool. I was always a Bad Company fan. Bad Company was cool. That's where he was best fitted in with that voice. Yes. I mean, he, he really did fit in well there. Yeah, he did. So. And I've listened to some of his solo stuff, too, over the years. I don't know if I listen to any of his solo stuff. He is always in a band. Like I listen to The Firm, I listen to Cream. Um, yeah. Uh, I listen to him with Queen. Um, there was another one not too long ago. What was it? Oh shit. Well, well, anyhow, he was in a lot of different stuff. He is involved in a lot of different great music. So, and to have all those people so talented, otherwise, I mean, he had to have had something that I couldn't grasp. So. Anyhow, I mean, but he's still good. I mean, I just didn't see why so many people just thought he was, like, the best thing ever. But anyhow, it doesn't matter because I'm just me. Um, right, right. You got some more stuff, or? Uh, one of the largest manta rays ever caught was by Captain A.L. Kahn off the New Jersey coast in 1933. It weighed over 5,000 pounds and was over 20 foot wide. Wow. That's a big manta ray. That's a big manta ray. Huh. Okay. Um, you got any more? Oh, uh, you got any more? Yeah, I do. Okay. Did you hear about the guy that bought the Lifetime Pass uh, at United Air? No. Okay. Tom Stuker, 69, has covered more miles in the air than any individual traveler in the history with no plans on stopping. After hitting 23 million miles of air travel, he owns his uh, time in the sky to one purchase he made in 1990 
when he snagged a United Airlines lifetime pass for a whopping 290000 This is in 1990. They offered it. Best investment of my life, Stuker told the Washington Post. And 33 years after the purchase, the car dealer consultant is still racking up miles and enjoying every second from his favorite seat, 1B. So, since the purchase, the New Jersey native has obtained an unimaginable amount of miles which he can sell, trade, or auction, along with the perks of staying at luxurious hotels around the globe, exclusive meals at high-end restaurants, and week-long trips through crystal cruises. So all that came with it. Wow. Man, that guy, yeah. He once went 12 consecutive days without sleeping in a bed after he flew from Newark to San Francisco, followed by a trip to Bangkok to Dubai and back, covering four trips around the world and only leaving the skies to visit the United Airport lounges, according to the outlet. <laughs> if I spend more time than a week in one place, I'm like, I got to get back in the air. I'm more afraid to be on the ground than the air, the frequent flyer told the Post in 2019. Stuker has been to over 100 countries using his unlimited United Pass and even shares the wealth with his wife, taking her own over 120 honeymoons. His passion for flying started after visiting Australia in 1984 for work and falling in love with the country, revealing he's back over 300 times to Australia. Stuker says he travels for uh, travel's sake, not for work or vacation. I mean, why does Joey Chestnut eat hot dogs, he asked the, of the competitive eating champ. I just really love everything about flying. Stuker even had the pleasure of having some celebrities and seatmates like Janet Jackson, Steven Tyler, and Bill Murray, who got to leave a personal voicemail to his brother. <laughs> With the thousands of United flights he's taken, Stuker revealed he's even seen four people die while in the air. Wow. All heart attacks. I met a couple of them, too. Just died right there in their seats. The last guy was up in, in business with me. Chicago to Nartia, well, toward Tokyo, or Tokyo. I guess that's the Tokyo International Airport. He told the Washington Post. They covered him with a blanket and put the seat belt back on. What else could they do? In 2019 alone, the father of three covered more than six trips to the moon on 373 flights, adding up to 1.46 million miles. The out-of-pocket cost being 2.44 million without his pass, the outlet replied. So, for that 300-some thousand, he got over 2.5 million flights. Stuka's wow. accumulation of miles also paid off on the ground. The, the Cherish United Flyer has acquired an abundance of gift cards as a perk as once and once cashed in $50,000 worth of Walmart gift cards in a single day. In, in the 90s, the Miles Master bid um, 451,000 air miles during a charity auction and won a guest appearance on the hit sitcom Seinfeld. His brother even reaped the benefits from his mileage after Stuker completely covered the cost of redoing his home. This is with miles that he accumulates for flying. Wow. Wow. When Stuker lands at one destination, he has to rush to catch a connecting flight. United has a Mercedes waiting on the tarmac so he can cruise to his next gate in style. Even though it seems United Airlines would be fuming over Stuker's uh, frequent flights, it's quite the opposite. 
To show their appreciation to their beloved member, the airline stuck his name on two of their planes and asked for his input to help design the menu in the rear in the new Polaris clubs. He's even personally greeted by the operator when he get when he gets calls um, when he calls the company's 1-800 number. The plane has left the terminal for those uh, hopping to be as fortunate as uh, hoping, not hopping. What the hell am I saying? The plane has left the terminal uh, for those hoping to be as fortunate as Stuker. The snag and snagging United's unlimited pass since the airline has discontinued the offer with no plans to reinstate in the Golden Air ticket. However, Stuker has some advice for the freak, frequent flyers this summer. He says, lying uh, to the first flight. Okay. Hang on a second here. I gotta pull this up. His face. He says, "Lying to the first flight attendant you see on board can help." She's the head attendant. I always say, "I remember you. You gave us such a great service last time. I wanted to thank you again. Even if I never met her, I guarantee she'll bring all kinds of free stuff." He told the outlet. Stuker also recommends never checking a bag or a overpack for flight, saying, "Every town has laundromats and stores." If you're looking to snag a particular seat, keep the seat map open on your phone when boarding to see if a block seat is available after the cabin door shut and take it. So that's great advice from someone who obviously knows what the hell they're doing. Yeah. So, yeah. Boy, that guy got his money's worth, didn't he? Yeah. Man, congratulations to Stuker. Excellent. Good job. All right, everybody, I think we're going to uh, close this bitch up and fucking wrap it out and just go. So, anyhow, um, Rob and I don't have any closing, uh, closing thoughts or nothing. We're kind of uh, probably just getting ready for the 4th of July, thinking about blowing shit up, right? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, so, anyhow, everybody be careful. Blow shit up, but be careful. Okay, that's my closing thought. Everybody, blow shit up, but be careful. Be safe, have fun. Yep. Alrighty. And if I don't like you, I continue to say the fuck you, and if I tap. like you, big hug. Read up All right, sometime. we'll be talking to you. The bowl we will clap by the sole guy that I knew that was uh, in uh, Vietnam. I probably should, well, you know what? You can take this part out of here if, if you like it. And we could put it somewhere. But this old guy that I knew down the road from me, there was in Vietnam. He told me that uh, one day, you know, him and a couple of guys um, got a day off from the war. So they went into the nearest town to go look for some hookers. You know, they're like, you know, if we're going to die, we're going to get laid. So, okay, all right. So they go in there, and I guess the the Viet Cong um, loaded, them full of, loaded the uh, prostitutes full of this stuff called the bowl we will clap yeah oh it is so anyhow he said you know they all went and um, you know did what they needed to do you know they thought they're all going to die so they went and they got laid and the next day when a guy comes in he goes oh my god he goes i hurt so bad I, you know my fucking dick hurts like hell my, my stomach hurts i think i'm going to die what they do with those damn hookers so anyhow, it, and he started hurting really bad. He said it hurt so bad you could hardly breathe. You could feel it in your dick shaft. It mm. hurt so bad. So they all go in, and, and I, I guess it's like a horrible infection. And if you don't get it treated, it will kill you. Like, you know, go mm. up your scrotum and into your testicles. And uh, anyhow, 
the only cure back then was is they had to take this uh, glass rod, shove it in the end of your penis, and mash it with a rubber mallet. And then they have to physically squeeze all the infection out of your penis. I've and, heard of this. Yes. And this took like four hours of mashing this uh, rod and then squeezing all the infection out. Because if they don't get all the infection out right then... It flares right back up. Yes. Seals your PP shut. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was the old joke of, you know, oh, there's, you know, catch VD, your dick's going to turn black and fall off. But... There are actually there, That STDs. was worst case scenario. Yeah, yeah, it actually will turn black and fall off because the tissue will die. Yeah, it's kind of um, like a grand, uh, a gang green type of deal, you know, or something like mm-hmm. that. So anyhow, um, yeah, he said after that, he said, no, no, no more hookers. So. Our constant pursuit for a real knee slapper. It's strange insults from an alien. Real hilarity. Don't be ashamed of who you are. That's your parents' job. From, From the, the makers, makers of Who Bit My Asshole Board Game and Balloon Art with Paul Sacks video series, it's two douchebags and a microphone action figures. And now we get a free bag of flaming hot Cheetos, a bottle of antibiotics, and three free mullets. That's right, dress your douchebag up and send them off to horrible scenarios all day long. Order soon and get a free at-home tape piercing kit. That's, That's right, right. free home tape piercing kit, new from Chisbro. When taking a shower, remember to scrub your asshole with soapy water, because nobody likes a stinky asshole. The bull weevil clap. Read up on that sometime. The bull weevil clap, and this old guy that I knew that was uh, in uh, Vietnam, I probably should, well, you know what, you can take this part out of here if if you like it, and we can put it somewhere, but this old guy that I knew down the road from me, there was in Vietnam, he told me that uh, one day, you know, him and a couple of guys um, got a day off from the war, so they went into the nearest town to go look for some hookers, you know, they're like, you know, if we're going to die, we're going to get laid, so, okay, all right, so they go in there, and I guess the, the Viet Cong, um, loaded them full. Of, loaded the uh, prostitutes full of this stuff called the bowl weevil clap. Yeah. Oh, it is. So anyhow, he said, you know, they all went and um, you know um, did what they needed to do. You know, they thought they were all going to die, so they went and they got laid. And the next day, when a guy comes in, he goes, "Oh my God!" He goes, "I hurt so bad. I, you know, my fucking dick hurts like hell." My, my stomach hurts. I think I'm going to die. What'd they do with those damn hookers? So anyhow, it, and he started hurting really bad. He said it hurt so bad you could hardly breathe. You could feel it in your dick shaft. It hurt mm. so bad. So they all go in, and, and I, I guess it's like a horrible infection. And if you don't get it treated, it will kill you. Like, you know, go mm. up your scrotum and into your testicles. And uh, anyhow... The only cure back then was is they had to take this uh, glass rod, shove it in the end of your penis, and mash it with a rubber mallet. And then they have to physically squeeze all the infection out of your penis. I've and, heard of this. Yes. And this took like four hours of mashing this uh, rod and then squeezing all the infection out because if they don't get all the infection out right then it flares right back up yes seals your pp shut yes (laughs) 
Yeah, that was the old joke of, you know, oh, there's, you know, if you catch VD, your dick's going to turn black and fall off. But there are actually there, That STDs. was worst case scenario. Yeah, yeah, it actually will turn black and fall off because the tissue will die. Yeah, it's kind of um, like a grand, uh, a gan green type of deal, you know, or something like mm-hmm. that. So anyhow, um, yeah, he said after that, he said, no, no, no more hookers. So... They go. We're the douchebags. Hmm. Oh my god, someone took a dump in the corner. Oh jeez. Ugh, glad they're gone. Let's just hope they don't come back. Oh, man, that smells. 